All right, thank you for joining me again. I'm Michael Tobin, your Lookout Guy. You are listening to the podcast, Lookout Guy. And as always, for the past year, year and a couple of months, I have been offering prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. From where? The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Ever since this pandemic has begun, they have received hundreds of thousands of calls and thousands of salvations and healings. You want to call it. We all need prayer, and I myself have even called it. So, if you would like to call for prayer, call 1-888-388-2683. That number again for prayer, 1-888-388-2683. Well, praise Jesus. Thank you for joining me on The Lookout Guy. I'm Michael Tobin, your Lookout Guy. And on today's podcast, I've got a complete message by Pastor Mike McIntosh. You may know of him. He is always on the cutting edge of what is currently going on. Basically, he is a watchman on the wall. He is a Lookout Guy also. I've known him since I was 10 years old, back around 1974. He was the pastor of the First Calvary Chapel in San Diego at the Old North Park Theater on University Avenue. And between the ages of 10 and 14, I was in and out of uh, the Calvary Chapel as uh, my mom was a single parent. Her, my brothers and sister and I, uh, we're, we're moving from one part of San Diego to another all the time during our growing up years. And from 14 to 24, 25, I guess I could say I backslid. But I came back to the Lord in uh, 1989. But Pat- Mike McIntosh has been my pastor since I was 10 years old. And he today's message, uh, I'm just going to title it, the weirdness of today and deliverance and he was the guest speaker at Calvary Chapel of Tustin California it's about a 55 minute drive north of uh, where I live in North County San Diego so all the years that I've known Mike McIntosh I never got a photo with him and a lot of people they always want him to sign uh, their books take a picture and uh, I was always shy with taking photos but at my age I'm thinking okay you, you got to start logging your life for your children your grandchildren so I finally did the photo thing today I got a real nice picture with me and Mike McIntosh but he was the guest speaker at the 9 a.m. service and the 11 a.m. service and if you know Mike McIntosh uh, from Calvary Chapel and Horizon Christian Fellowship San Diego when he was pastoring there was always two morning services and the second service was never the same as the first service and most of us that went to the first service stayed for the second service so we wouldn't miss anything so what I did for you was take clips from this morning's first service which it's April 11th 2021 right now Sunday 
And I also uh, took most of the clips from the second service because he was just getting warmed up in the first service and he had extra scripture verses for the second service and extra detail. So we polished it up and, and reviewed in the first service. So you're going to enjoy it. But first, I want you give you a little update on my indie, you know, independent uh, musicians uh, podcast that I've been doing for the past year. I want you to look up my friend Ricky Davis, and I want you to stay tuned for my uh, next podcast, which I'm going to be featuring uh, quite a few of his latest songs and some of his uh, more recent songs. He's got a lot of songs, and he is up for the second consecutive win of the International Singer Songwriter Awards this year of 2021. So I, I would like you to go to his Facebook page, Ricky Davis, and, and it's a black and white photo of a guy uh, sitting down playing a guitar. But look up Ricky Davis, and you can select the link for the ISSA awards page and vote for him for male number one songwriter of the year of the International Singer Songwriters Awards. And I believe it's the seventh annual uh, this year. But he definitely is a very uh, adamant. Uh, ardent, um, accomplished singer, songwriter, guitarist, bass player—he plays everything. And he, his, uh, some of his music is even in uh, some uh, series uh, television shows. And so he's—he—he he, he gets around. And speaking of getting around, he's also a trucker. He's a long-haul trucker, and he delivers the things that we need. And soon, he's going to retire from trucking. And he's going to be out in the circuit, and you're going to be hearing a lot from him. That's Ricky Davis. So go to his uh, Facebook page. You could also go to Pandora, Spotify, iHeart, and everywhere and look up Ricky Davis. And if you see another name associated with his... Imran uh, Ahmed uh, they both collaborate from across the world uh, Imran Ahmed is an amazing guy look him up also he collaborates with some personal friends of mine uh, I'll mention three days in the grave the numeral three three days in the grave they're here in Southern California and so they're part of the indie uh, scene so look up Ricky Davis, his music on, I recommend Spotify, and everybody knows that Pandora is hard to get your music into, he, he's on Pan, in Pandora also, so if you've got Pandora, that's fine, I, I like uh, Spotify, and for podcasts, I, I actually prefer iHeartRadio, Heart but just look up Ricky Davis on Facebook, uh, friend request them uh, select the International Singer Songwriter Awards page and please vote for Ricky Davis for the USA's best 
Male Songwriter of the Year. So now I'm just going to go ahead and get right into the service. It's a cutting-edge service. You don't want to miss it from Mike McIntosh. God bless you, and once again, thank you for joining me on The Lookout Guy. And I am your Lookout Guy. I guess Barry Stagner is changing in his old age. I never knew he took vacation time ever. <laughs> You're blessed to have a pastor that loves you like he does. <clears throat> We're going to look at Second Timothy in the New Testament and chapter 3. I'd like to go to Second Timothy chapter 3. In January of 2020, I believe it's the American Bible Society, you can quote me on that. Might be, might not be the right source, but it's pretty close to it. Um, they ask a question around the country of Christians in different churches. Do you read your Bible every day? First question. Second question, are you impacted on a daily basis by the scriptures you read? And um, the response was 28% of church-going Christians say they read the Bible every day and they're impacted by the Bible every day. So then COVID came along 90 days later, and they waited for six months in June of 2020, last June, six months. They asked the same question throughout churches in America. Do you read your Bible every day? And are you impacted by the scriptures that you read every day? And they found out with COVID, it really stirred the country up that they dropped down to 22.7% of Christianity said they read the Bible. And uh, that means basically 78% of people that go to church don't know the Lord through his word. And Jesus is the one who said, if you're truly my disciple in deed, not just in word, but in deed, then continue in my word. So the word is missing in action throughout our country. And um, this past summer, I was able to go to five states and drove through five states spoke 16 times in 19 days and uh, then went back later to Missouri and it was very interesting to see the response of the Midwest people because um, what I was told that probably the biggest sin in the Midwest is among Christians of self-righteousness I work hard, I get up early I, all these things that they do and the sad part was that our country's in big, big trouble, and still there's no clarion call from a church leader anywhere, truly, saying, let's get on our faces and let's seek God's face. Uh, it should be coming from the White House, uh, from our Supreme Court, should be coming from the leaders of the land, but will not find a savior among the politicians. So we are the ones that have let our country down. They haven't let us down, and we're reaping what we sowed. And we need to be open for God to change our hearts in an instant. And if revival would not start in the U.S. of A. right now in this room, where in the world is it going to start? Everybody seems to think it starts somewhere else. But it should start, as one evangelist many years ago said, uh, just draw a circle around yourself on the ground with some chalk and just ask God to pour out a revival inside that circle. It starts with each one of us. If we really love Jesus, 
then why aren't we about our Father's business? So we're in big trouble, but the Lord is very, very familiar with big trouble, and he's able to shape us up if we have to. So in 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read five verses here with you. And this shows us the attitude of hearts in the last days. And I think you'll find out that this whole list is valid for this very hour in our country. But this is a a key to understanding what's going on around you. And it starts out, but understand this, which is a good way for a teacher to start. I want you to understand so you can pass the test on Friday. So if you do what he says here, take heed, then you're going to be able to know what the answers to the quiz are. That in the last days, specifically, the last days, man's history, there will become perilous times, very difficult times for people. And why? Why will there be perilous times? Because of people. For people will be, number one, lovers of self, lovers of money, number two, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Hmm. So you can see there's a big list there. And uh, if we just look in the mirror, we all fulfill those words, I'm sure. But you can see it um, in the news. You can see it in commercials. We had some teenage granddaughters over during the Grammys, which I don't really care for the Grammys very much, though I love music. Um, And there was so much semi-nudity in it. And I was ready to turn it off. I watched Sandy, and I had to balance things out to let my granddaughters know I'm not approving, but letting them know they can find the boundaries, but I'm here to help them. And um, I thought it was such a gross time, gross empty time, a waste of time. And um, the next day or two days later, Tuesday, it said that uh, 51% of the American audience did not watch the Grammys this year compared to last year. And last year's was like 49%. So... That again tells us that what we want isn't what's being given to us. We're being spoon-fed a bunch of evil. So what are we to do? We're to avoid. Billy Graham said one time that he and Ruth were watching something on television, and it was one of the few times that they had uh, together to have a few nights at home. And um, they looked at each other and said, what are we watching And they both got up at the same time, walked up to the TV, turned it off, laid hands on their television and asked God to never let anything come on that set that would be displeasing to God. That's a good attitude. Let God be in charge of the remote, not the dog. So here's an attitude of heart. So now you can watch people in line at grocery stores. You can watch people paying 
$4.90 a gallon for fuel. Um, you, you know, you just watch people. You listen to what comes out of their mouth. You go into this little list here, and the attitudes and the vocabulary are everywhere. Uh, to find a lady or a gentleman is a little bit difficult in the younger generations right now. And uh, it's just so interesting to know that Jesus said, guard your heart, because out of it comes the issues of life. So what's going on inside of our heart is what gets us in trouble or gets us into blessings, one of the two. The whole issues of life come from man's heart, mankind's heart. We're going to look at uh, a different text. Luke chapter 16. Luke 16. Look at um, verse 12. There's a rich man who is clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in hell, or Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf, a chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, well, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And Abraham said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Uh, that's probably one of the best glimpses anywhere in writing of the in what happens in hell. Uh, and I'd like to point a couple of those things out before we move on. But first, I'd like to just pray for you. Lord, you know every heart that is in this room right now and those that are on the Internet or listening on some station. You love these people. 
you created them. Like Jeremiah, you knew them before you formed them in your, their mother's wombs. You decided if they be male or female. If they be tall, short, stout, slender, blue-eyed, brown-eyed. You know everything about them. Jesus even said the hair of our head doesn't fall to the ground without you knowing it. And so, Lord, we would like to get into that relationship with you of the intimate things of our life. Who are we? Why are we here? What in the world has gone wrong in our world in the last year? Um, What can we do for our fellow countrymen? Lord, we're in a big jam and we're without you. The church is uh, not doing her job and you are just watching and waiting. So we'd like to be used by you, Lord. And I'm asking for these men and women that uh, their sphere of influence would begin to flow with more of your spirit and your love and your word. And that some of the most difficult people in Orange County could be touched by those that are in this room right now. Lord, hold nothing back. We don't want one human being to have to go to this place. It's wicked, it's evil, it's eternal, it's horrible. And so I pray that you said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and we need to fear you more. And so if there are any today that are outside your kingdom, may they have wisdom to call upon you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So that was a good catcher and um, caught my attention. And then in June, the Barna Group out of Oceanside, which is a very uh, credible polling group, they wanted to know, since the last 90 days, being uh, March, April, May, into June, um, are you attending church uh, that you were attending when the COVID started, or are you watching online? They found out that one out of every three Christians in America no longer were going to their church or watching online. So one-third of American Christianity disappeared last year. Does that concern you? Yeah, that's why our country is where it is this hour. The Communist Party has done some really horrible things inside, and nobody's standing against them. But traitors are one of the words that are used in the pastoral epistles of the signs of the end times, that people will be traitors. Um, And there's only one way that a Christian could accomplish anything, and that's by the power of the Lord. It's not by anything that we could do. Um, It's by his love, his power, his word, his strength. But we have to be willing. What it tells us is that American Christians aren't willing. I spent a lot of time in the almost one entire summer in Eastern Europe when the communist, the wall was up in Berlin. And I saw Christians pay a price of driving maybe three hours and meeting. I can remember one place in Hungary that um, we met in a barn starting at nine in the morning. And I thought I was going to just teach a chapter, but we didn't leave till nine at night. Uh, Those people were writing everything down, recording everything, Um, taking pictures of my Bible and the scriptures. Uh, And you get into East Germany where it was really wicked and dark. was actually asked by the government to leave 
before my visa was up, uh, <laughs> they made a stupid mistake with me. They had a microphone in my room. And you're sitting there on the couch, and you're looking across your room, and there's a circle in the wall. You walk over the circle, and you feel it, and you realize that's a microphone sticking through the wall. So I'd just take my Bible and stand there and read my Bible to them. I lasted two days in East Germany. Um, but anyhow, I, I've been in war zones and weird places where people pay a price to sit in a meeting like this. Uh, in northern Iraq, entire villages of people like you and me totally destroyed simply for being Christians. That was ISIS. And the Obama administration knew what was doing, the slaughter of Christians. ISIS, I-S-I-S, the Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Step two in the briefings we got would be Europe, mainly London. Step two has happened. Step three will be the U.S. of A. Step three is happening in a different manner in our country because uh, we can understand um, rioting, but we can't understand traitors and people that say they represent us and they don't. So we're in a really rough spot. So how do we get out of a rough spot? We call upon the Lord, right? But here's something interesting. Most people couldn't tell you anything about hell. They know it's some bad place, and there's a good place. You get a choice, heaven or hell. It's not that simple, really. A price was paid. And uh, there are a lot of people that are saying uh, they gladly accept the price, but then there's no sacrifice. And Jesus said, here's my heart. I am lowly, and I'm meek. And I know a lot of people that are Christians that are a zillion miles from being meek or humble or being lowly and kind and gentle and giving and holding back nothing from their neighbor. Uh, there are a lot of people like that. But I think our picture of who we are is askew. So I gave a completely different message in the last service. I stood out there and talked to people, and I thought, oh, you're the ones that I'm supposed to scare about hell. No, I didn't. <laughs> Let me just point out a couple of things, and then I'll give you a little bit of what happened in the last service. A rich man, a poor man. Okay, the rich man has everything. The poor man has nothing. He's so sick, he has no Medicare. He's got sores all over him. He's sitting outside by the garbage, wanting to get the crumbs off the rich man's uh, table. The dogs come and lick his sores. He can't even push them away. The poor man, verse 22, dies, carried by angels to Abraham's side, which means he would be a Jew. And the rich man also died, and he was buried. He wasn't taken. He was buried. Abraham just went on in life. Uh, and he was waiting for the poor man. The poor man just transitioned. And that's really it. I mean, nine years as a reserve police officer in San Diego, you see people die in many, many ways you would never expect people can die. And uh, uh, it's just an amazing thing what people do to themselves and to other people to harm people. But when death comes, many times the shock on the face of the person, when they died, the last thing they saw was reality. Their time is up, and there's no coming back. And that's what the rich man is trying to do. Notice the rich man is being a rich man in hell. He's barking orders. Hey, send that guy over here. Who, the poor guy? <laughs> he's barking orders. He's, he's not in touch. 
uh, just give me a little drop of water on his fingertip that he could touch the tip of my tongue that I could quench my thirst. So that tells us a lot. You've got feelings in hell. You've got emotions in hell. He knows what it means to be thirsty and to be hot and to be quenched. And he recognizes the leader of Judaism, Abraham, and he sees the poor guy that he never really helped his whole life that sat out by his garbage trying to eat the crumbs. You've got a full memory bank going for eternity. And that's going to be the hell of it. The last thing you'd see would be how beautiful God is and how loving he is, how kind, how forgiving, how understanding. And you chose to say you're better than him. Pride. So this man's got all these things. And for the person that is anti-God and doesn't want God, will live with themselves for eternity and that in itself to remember some of the things we did as kids and teenagers and think of the people we've hurt and said bad things about or who knows what is in our past the blood of Jesus cleanses us from that he paid the price for us we don't have to remember those things they're forgiven but I just wanted to point out a couple things and we'll move on here one was he uh, recognized people uh, he's very thirsty Abraham can reason with him when you were in your lifetime you were rich you had good things this poor guy had nothing but now he's being comforted so we know that hell there is no comfort he was on another side called paradise where there's a chasm between and this is before jesus died on the cross so everybody like say uh adam and eve uh noah mrs noah joan of arc um all those people were waiting they were in paradise and when the cross happened, Jesus, it says in Ephesians, ascended. He who ascended also descended, taking captivity captive. So the people that were held captive on the paradise side were taken up into heaven by Jesus. So the people that rejected any plan of salvation or asking for forgiveness or trying to be a decent uh, person before God, they stayed behind and they'll be judged at the great white throne judgment. So he says uh, child or son, meaning he calls him father Abraham. That means he's a Jew also. And he says, remember that in your lifetime. So you have complete memory banks from your first memories of one and a half, two years old, up till 97 or 42 or 13, whatever the age is. Lazarus in like manner didn't have any of these things. And people from your side can't come over here and people from here can't go there. But he says, listen, I beg you. Now he's begging. So now you know how to twist somebody's arm. He's still going to use all those tricks of a rich man. Uh, I beg you, Father, to send him, who? The poor guy, to my father's house. So he remembers his dad's house. He remembers his dad. I have five brothers. So my father's house is a figure of speech to all of my relatives. I have five brothers. So you know numbers, you can count. You remember the faces of your brothers and your sisters so that he may warn them lest they also come into this place of torment. So he's warning them this is a place of torment. This is a place where you're going to be thirsty. You're going to be full of memories. The whole time is just you and you and you and you for eternity, just yourself. That would be a mess. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. And then the rich guy says, no, no. So he's contradicting the truth. No, Father Abraham. But if 
someone goes to them from the dead, he, they will repent. And Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, even if somebody is sent from the dead, they wouldn't listen. And of course, Jesus has been sent from the dead. And still people have a shock in their face when they die. And I'm telling you, it's not a very pretty thing to see sometimes. I have a friend that uh, was in Sacramento area, and he got a call out just before Christmas. And uh, the highway patrol needed his chaplain services, and he goes, and he saw uh, several families had died that night in several cars and low ground fog, and the ambulances were everywhere. But he noticed that several, if not all, the highway patrol people were all on one side in a group together. And they were sick from all the death they saw. Boys, girls, grandmas, grandpas, Christmas family people going places. And uh, he said, yo, what's up? And he said, oh, there's one last person. And said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, everybody's gone to the uh, mortuary or to, to the hospitals, but there's one last person, and it's just we just don't have the strength right now to get their ID. He said, well, I'll, I'll go get the ID. He said, no, that's pretty ugly mess and so he goes up there and he feels around and finds the wallet and gets it and as he's pulling the ID out he sees them all looking at him and uh, he takes a look at his driver's license and he dropped on the ground it was his son that was horrible and that was his son and uh, when I talked to him about this he wasn't very friendly to God or to plant life or to animals he was just how could this happen We've all had something like that happen where we've been hurt, you know, and we wonder, why would God allow that? And then you always hear from the godless people, well, how could a loving God? Well, you don't even accept his love. How do you know he's a loving God? Huh? So what I'd like to do is give us a couple of hints how we can make a difference in the United States of America, starting right here where the last revival in the history of the United States happened. 1968 through 75 or 76, right here in Costa Mesa. And we're about 15 to 20 years beyond the average time of a revival in America. So has God given up on us? No. Have we gone too far? You don't think so? Oh, good, I'm coming to this church then. <laughs> um, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. I mean, beyond big trouble. And if you knew all the behind-the-scenes things, and I don't know them all, I know enough of them that we're in big trouble. And God has no reason to stick it out with us any longer. We, the Christian nation. that You know, just last year, a news commentator said uh, about three weeks ago that uh, we have an enemy we're at war with. It's called China. I said, that's interesting. And uh, since last year at this time, 70,000 kids have died in America from Chinese fentanyl that's sold to the cartels and then sold throughout uh, the United States. And you take all the COVID people, uh, that disease that came out of Wuhan and the fentanyl has killed one million Americans and not one person say anything about it. Now I have an 18-year-old grandson. I have several grandsons and daughters. Um, Chase, handsome, Blonde, curly hair. Have a picture of me dedicating him as a baby on a Sunday morning. Uh, Sandy, in the picture beside him, is in her arms, born like 30 minutes earlier in the hospital. And one of his friends 
blessed him and gave him some pills. And he died instantly from fentanyl from China. Now, I wanted to get vindictive. And I had enough training of how to find people that um, I had enough names and addresses. Could have caused some problem. But the Lord said, vengeance is mine. So I let the Navy SEALs go get him instead. <laughs> you know, when death comes, every death notification I've been on, they're not expecting it when they open the door and see you at all. They're shocked. Who are you? Why are you here? What happened? And then they fall apart. I remember it happened to my mom when one of my brothers was killed in high school. Just a single mom, her oldest boy. She was never the same, ever. Life can deal hardships to us. But do we give up on God? Nope. Does God love us? Absolutely. All things work together for God, for good, for those that love the Lord that are called according to his will and his purpose. Not all things are good that come into our life but they can be used by God for good. So now we see there is this place that there are people, they do go there, they can reason with a sound, apparently mind, they know their religion, Moses, prophets, Abraham, my father's house, they've got addresses. I debriefed a couple of teenage girls in northern Iraq once that uh, she had a photographic memory, she's 16 years old. And her best buddy was 15. And they were born on the same street, lived next door to each other, grew up together, were kidnapped by ISIS on the very same day, put in the same trunk, um, and then put into a van, then put into a bus, and then put into 500 girls being sold with American men and American dollars buying them in northern Iraq. And um, I thought, that's a good witness for America, isn't it? There are a lot of things that God could have nuked us a long time ago. And we are responsible if we name the name of Jesus. We are responsible to humble ourselves in sight of our God and live the life that Jesus has laid out before us. Because there are people that you know and I know, more so the people I used to know than you would have known, that are here in that place right now today. And when we were 16 or 19 or 22 and we thought we were really tough guys or whatever, they're still down there remembering that. And why God would say, I'm going to let you find my grace. I have no idea. But don't I have a responsibility to do something with that? We all do. But it's because we don't fear God. We don't look into hell. We don't think about it. I mean, they're thinking about themselves and all their mistakes their entire life or eternity, never stopping. That's right. Torment. So what does that mean that they have an appearance? They're, well, there's 78% of people sitting in churches this morning that um, don't really read the word or feel any commitment to live it and to practice it. Um, I mentioned last service something many years ago, Chuck Smith and I were on the road together somewhere, and he said, you know, Mike, you can tell what kind of a Christian uh, a person is by their checkbook. And he said, 
What do you mean, Pastor Chuck? He says, well, just look at your checkbook. And I said, okay. He says, what am I looking for? See how many checks you wrote to Jesus. Oh, well, let me check that. And that's true. There are some of the stingiest people in the world are Christian people, but yet some of the greatest givers are Christian people. He was sitting next to a very well-known pastor's wife in a conference that we were speaking at, uh, her husband and myself and Chuck. And um, she told us at dinner afterwards that he reached over when the offering bag came by and gave her $2 and said, don't ever let an offering bag go past without giving something to the Lord. And he gave her two of his own dollars. Of course, he got the reward in heaven for that one and the one he put in. I don't know if that's how it works. So she gave, but the point was he was teaching one of his disciples, always give, always give. You can't outgive God and he'll provide for you. He'll never let you starve. And the more somebody scrimps and pinches, the more they hold on. But there's he, Proverbs says it gives away and more comes their way. And it's just a, a truth. So, are we actually the salt of the earth? Here we see there's a heart attitude. That rich man had all of these adjectives in his heart that we just read from Timothy. And this is the mindset of the world at the end in the last days. This is what's coming across the news. It's coming across the rioters in the streets. And this is what is in our schools. It's just horrible. To think that man can tell little boys and girls in California that they can take pills and change their sex at five to eight years old. How sick does it have to get before the church really stands up and say, wait just a minute. I mean, I don't know. They're pushing as hard as they can to see how far they can go. Supreme Court just said yesterday, day before yesterday, people cannot be stopped from having home Bible studies. Did you know that we were stopped? that the government had passed in San Diego, a health person said, no Bible studies in people's homes. You might get the flu. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Whoever thought that day would come in America? That the Supreme Court would have to intercede for the church. This is how it happened with Adolf Hitler. They changed the game. They changed the rules. They set everything that has taken over Cambodia, Vietnam, North or South, you name all the countries, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Hungary, they get rid of the past. And if you control the past, you control the future. That's one of their dogmas. So you get in with a bunch of punk kids and they start pulling down statues from the Civil War. And they change the past. They erase landscape and they erase libraries and they erase books and they rewrite things and re-edit it so that the kids that are coming up will accept everything that we've, as their big brothers and sisters, have allowed to happen. And they'll just say, well, this is natural. Well, you're a, you're a homophobia. You're a, you're a, and everybody's got a title. And nobody's saying, but what about God? Oh, no, that's offensive. We can't have any of that here. Well, you will be at a place soon where you won't have any of it at all. And you'll find it in Luke 16. If that's where you want to be, that's where you're headed. But it all starts in your heart. Now turn to the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 6 and uh, verse 12. Yeah, verse 12. The six seals are being opened from this scroll 
from heaven and judgments coming on the earth during the great tribulation. The church is no longer uh, seen. The, uh, chapter 2 and 3 is the church age. Chapter 4 and 5, the church is in heaven and not seen again. So now, without the body of Christ on the earth, it says in verse 12, chapter 6, Revelation, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there's a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a strong wind. The sky vanishes, imagine that, you can't imagine that, can you? I mean, that's, the sky vanishes like a scroll that rolls up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. And then the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling on Mother Nature, calling to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? Now imagine that. They know there is a day of judgment. They know that God has a right and has put it down in writing that he will give wrath to everybody that rebelled against his kingdom. They know that. They recognize God, and they recognize Jesus, the Lamb of God. Isn't that interesting? They know who it is and what it is. Instead of saying, please forgive us, they call on global warming and earth and Mother Nature fall on us and hide us. You can't hide from God. This rich man down there in hell, he's not hiding from God. He just didn't want to see God or hear God. He wanted all of his money to be everything he is about. All of his accomplishments. Hmm. He's got that for eternity. I can't thank God enough that I'm standing in front of you. Because there are many, many times I should have died. And deservedly so. Many. Not one or two. Many. And there were times I was right on the edge of hell. And he would just reach in and pull me out of an ugly situation. Woe unto me if I don't tell you the truth. And I don't tell you how much God loves you, but there are people that you love that are headed the wrong direction because their heart is filled with the vocabulary of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. And it says, don't associate with people like that. So we come here, and they're calling out. And don't you find it interesting that they recognize God's got wrath, the great day of his wrath. They somehow had Bible teaching or religion, something that there was something more than peanut butter and jelly sandwich floating in the ocean and lightning struck it and it turned into a salamander and it walked up onto the beach, climbed a tree and became a monkey's uncle. <laughs> there must be something more in their vocabulary that they could say, well, yeah, I remember that. I remember, I don't know, Sunday school or something, but I don't want any part of this. And all they had to do is say, forgive me. That's all. But human pride is like, I, there are animals that are proud. One animal that is very proud, and I let him be whenever I'm around him, is a grizzly bear. He can be as proud as he wants, and I'll just go the other way as quickly as I can. Sharks, you know, man-eating shark. 
Um, there are there's pride, but the human pride is unbelievable. And notice this: hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. Let me ask you a very honest question: Have you ever seen an uptight or an angry Lamb, let alone a wrathful Lamb? No, Lambo. Never, never seen them. Okay, all right. So there you have it. There's this group. So the heart starts out in vocabulary. Oh, this just how they are. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, now the end is here, and that heart is sealed. Their future for eternity. Don't let it happen to you. Don't. Do you know that in Benghazi, we had 600 calls for help and the White House wouldn't send help some of those men that died from San Diego we've seen many many Navy SEALs come to the Lord in the last 40 years in San Diego Uh, from Medal of Honor winners you name it God has done a work inside the Navy SEALs that's for sure (laughs) it just seems like Good will be called evil, and evil will be called good, was what Isaiah said would be happening. So language is being spun around. And we're being told, this is okay now, but that's not okay. That's not okay, but this is okay. Oh, my goodness. My mom would have slapped me down if I even thought that could be something happening on a weekend. No. But nobody's speaking out. Since Pastor Chuck Smith left Orange County. I loved him. It's never been the same county. Well, his presence was here. That man, I saw God use him in places that were amazing that nobody would ever know. I remember one time I was in a room with him in China and something happened. Maybe I'm too close to home to say this story. But he made a a comment that if the governor at that time signs into this marriage law into being, he'll never have another office in this country. I listened to him say that. He wasn't angry, he was just talking under his breath. And apparently at Calvary, Costa Mesa, a bunch of gay guys ran in ripping their clothes off and they found out very quickly how many hundreds of off-duty police officers go to Calvary Chapel and they arrested this whole crowd of guys. And I said, I overheard you say something. Could I call somebody? He said, I don't care what you do. I said, well, no, I'm not being a smart aleck here. The governor's um, handler, his number one guy, is a personal friend. I'd like to warn him of what I just heard say. Cause I, and he said, sure. And you know that man I called, we'd just spent our vacation with. He and another couple, four of us knew the Lord, and we were doing our best to help this other couple. And... Uh, I said, here's the deal. He said, yeah. And then when I told him, he said, you evangelical Christians, you're always pushing everybody around. I said, back up, Jack. I'm not pushing you around. I just spent two weeks with you. Did I push you around? No, you're quite a gentleman. Okay, so back off of this, you Christian people. I'm trying to tell you as a friend that I overheard something could be detrimental for your future, let alone the governor's future. Okay. He called him. The governor didn't sign it. Chuck didn't threaten. But he had the authority to say, if while I'm on watch, something as foul of this is going to come into our church 
and then you're going to say this is not abnormal, and you're going to sign into law, and everybody's going to know you're going to have an uphill battle. We need more men like that that will stand up, not like the rich guy. The money goes to hell with them, and they're, hey, send that guy over here. Do this. Give me a drop of water. Hey, what about my five brothers? What about my father's house? Oh, come on. You got to do something for me. It's all about me, 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 me. And that's what Jesus died for was us. We're full of ourselves. We need to empty ourselves. And so when all of a sudden we get into the political correctness, our vocabulary changes. When our heart changes with that vocabulary, we get hardened and we're going to miss the greatest show on earth, the throne room of God. That Your sins are forgiven. You just need to accept that and receive it. Not be religious about it, You have a responsibility for the boys and girls in junior high school, in elementary schools, in Corona Del Mar, Newport Beach. They've got everything money can buy, but they're growing up thinking abnormal is normal. And when you're gone, their Grammy and Grandpa, it'll be like, when I'm gone, I've got 42 people in my family. I love them all. And for Chase to go, I just found on my cell phone yesterday my last text to him, I love you, Chase. I'll always love you. I'll always help you. I'll always be your bapa. You call me day or night. If I can ever do anything, please. I was begging him. I'm never going to erase it. Because maybe it's you today, as I found out somebody in the last service. It might be you. Love is real. If you watch the Grammys, I had teenage granddaughters there. They wanted to see some guy named Bluey Shilish or some Blue Eyes or I forget what his name is. But I thought, you know, it's like Elvis Presley in his day. So I'm watching and saying, this is stupid. And Sandy gives me the grandmother look because the girls. Okay, so what am I going to We'll work it out. Don't worry about it. We'll talk to him about it and tell him right from wrong. But it was so much semi-nudity. And I think this is gross. This is not a role model for my granddaughter. Sorry. But I know i got to be careful here. It's how I present it to him. So we're watching this. Tuesday, I'm reading the paper. 51% smaller audience than last year in the Grammys of 2020. And I think that was like 49% the year before. See, this is what it tells us. Christians are walking into church, or people are walking into churches saying they're Christians. But they're not living it. Their checkbooks don't show it. Their hearts aren't showing it. Their kindness, their gentleness, their lowliness, their meekness. They're just like anybody else. And only about a fourth of them, a little over 20%, are really believers. So then we get this little thing called a COVID-19. And a governor sends sick people into retirement homes where there are elderly people and 15,000 people die, and that's okay. But I'm not a doctor. I do have some doctorates, but I'm not that kind of a doctor. And, And I would... No, I wouldn't want somebody going in where my mom was with that disease. So something weird happened. We all know it. It's strange. We'll never get to the bottom of it, you know. Um, But I do know this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loved me when I was dying one night from an overdose, and I lost my mind for two years. And he healed me. And he took me as a high school dropout and got me three doctorates and three masters. 
and shown that he can do anything for anybody at any time. Gave me back my beautiful wife. We got 20 grandkids, 21 now, just a new one was born just a couple weeks ago, and she almost died three days later, just after Chase had just died. Lord, please. You see, if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he loved me in my worst, then if I'm at the top of my game and he loves me, everything in between is fair game for him to love me. And you may have lost somebody. I had a couple talk to me in the last service. Because I was feeling sorry for myself one day. I was out in the backyard. And I said, but Lord, he was stoned. I know the autopsy. He was stoned. One pill took him. So he showed up in front of you, stoned. Did you love Chase? Yes, I love Chase. Can I love him? Well, you're God. Of course you can love him. Can you forgive him for being stoned? Well, yes, I'm his grandfather. I'll forgive him for being stoned. I know he could have made it through or something. He said, well, can't I forgive him? Oh. You mean to tell me God's love is deeper than my love and your love? And his forgiveness is deeper than your forgiveness and my forgiveness and understanding? Absolutely. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, never entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those people that love him. Otherwise, there's no rhapsody, there's no music, there's no art, there's no sunset, there's no understanding, no brilliance, anything to compare to what God has. In a moment and a twinkling of an eye, we shall not all die, but we shall be changed in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. My buddy who's up there with the Lord right now, Billy Graham's associate evangelist, John Wesley White, said he went, he has two PhDs, I think both were from Oxford, a brilliant guy. Just a brilliant guy. He um, said, I looked up that word twinkling. I said, okay, what do, you, what do you know? He said, well, it's not as fast as the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, coming off of your eye and flashing. It's not uh, 10 times the speed of sound. In all the languages that he searched the word twinkle, he couldn't get the definition. What is a twinkle? And then through mathematics, he found out, you being changed, this is you now, so you can get excited if you want to. I'll be a little bit quicker because I have a lot of stuff behind me. I've got to get there a bit quicker than all of you. Um, a twinkling of an eye is less than one one trillionth of a second. Not faster than that. Yeah. You're going. But which way are you going? You going to live in your past for eternity? Or are you going to say, thank you for forgiving me and loving me? Now, how can I turn that around while I'm still in Orange County? Which, by the way, is a very tough place to live and be a Christian. Very difficult. It's so materialistic, especially the closer you get to the beaches. Then we set one another backwards sometimes as Christians of how we've acted or something we've said or and we just need to know that God forgives us. And if he forgives us to prove it, he says, I'll give you my, I have six kids. I don't think I'd want any one of them to die for any one of you. As nice as you all look. I don't know. Well, there's a couple times when they're teenagers, there's a couple I would have gladly given for free. Just go. But can you imagine that as a daddy? Son, see all those people down there? That warehouse there, Costa Mesa? Yeah, well, they all deserve to die. Oh, I know, I read their records. 
Yeah, I know. I, I see what goes on in their minds. Yes, huh? All the people they've hurt. Yeah. Are you going to forgive them? Well, if you'll die for them. Do you think anybody deserves to die in your place? I don't. I want to. I should die for my problems, and you should die for yours. But if my Creator says, you don't understand it all right now, but if you'll just believe, my love is so powerful. I've created everything for you, your family and your friends, two greatest assets we have. It's not stocks and bonds, cars and houses, family and friends. Don't ever throw them away. They're valuable. To be loved by other people and to have people you can love is so very important. There's a lot of lonely people. I remember a lonely lady, San Diego, when I was a reserve police officer. A really rough part of town, lots of shootings and killings. And uh, police cars were swarmed around, everybody afraid. She's foaming at the mouth, she's spasming. The paramedic said, this isn't physical. So I went to the officer I was riding with, and he was in charge. I said, uh, you're not going to want to hear this? But I think this lady's possessed by a demon spirit. What? I said you didn't want to hear it. You're darn right I don't want to hear that. And I said, okay, but I'm going to tell you, this lady's got a... What can you do? Well, you have the authority. If you say, I can do something, then the rest of the cops stand back. Yeah. So the Lord said, I love that. She was like 22 years old, I think. Saturday night, it's hot. Uh, and I just got down on my hands and knees next to her. And I said, um, I'm here to tell you that God, your creator, is here with you and he loves you. And you have an evil spirit inside of you. And she just started twitching everywhere at that. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, the sinless blood that was shed for you, come out of this lady in Jesus' name. Now, you don't usually do this on a police call, actually. Uh, and all of a sudden, it wasn't dynamic. It wasn't trumpets blowing. It wasn't, ah! All of a sudden, she was like, and she was like a little kid. No, there's 50 people on the street, gang members and all. They were shocked. And they all knew what happened, but they didn't want to say that's what happened. So got the paramedics, put her in the ambulance, says, go to the hospital, Jesus. She'll take care of the rest of it there. There isn't anything he wouldn't do for any of you. There isn't anything he hasn't done for any of you. But it's time to not be the 28% Christian. Be the one, the big number. You are one of those that reads daily. You're not one of those third that are missing in action. Because we're told that happens at the end of the age too, aren't we? And what happens? Well, in the last days, the wheat will grow up with the weeds, the tares. But don't try to pull up the wheat, the tares, because you'll inadvertently get the good wheat, which means in the last days, even the pastors won't have discernment of who the real Christians are. That's scary. And I was one for 50 years. That's scary. That I wouldn't be able, if I were still the pastor of that church, uh, not much got away, but if that's how it is now, I can understand. So they're here separating 
One third of American Christianity disappeared last June, a year ago. The wheat, the angels are here. And then, one last thought, and I know I've gone over my time, Dave, but you can beat me up afterwards, <laughs> is this. I found an answer. Why are all these horrible, wicked things happening? And it comes across the news. Well, this is what's happening now. And we hear all these things that are so strange and bizarre in America. This is how school is going to be, and that's what this is going to be, and that's going to be, and this is weird, and that's... Well, give me a break. What's going on? Well, in Revelation, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. Okay? Woe. Okay, so woe means slow down. We feel sorry for you down there on planet Earth. For Satan, that old serpent, that dragon of old, the devil has been cast down upon you, and he is full of wrath because, and again, that's a rabbi word, because here's the answer to why. Because he knows his time is short. He's lived in eternity, and he's now down here, and the clock is ticking. You've lived with a clock or a watch your entire life, and you're going to eternity. He is so angry with you little dirt people made out of dust. He's angry. So, if you were going to be full of wrath and the populace of earth is being warned, what do you think Satan would be doing? He would go against the image and the likeness of God. We're made in the image and the likeness of God. So if he can change sex, he can change identity. If he can change the image and the likeness of God, it's spitting in God's face. That's why these crazy things have been popping up. His time is tick, 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 tick. tick. Your time is woo. Let's go. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Lord, each of these men and women are very special in your eyes. And I'd like to ask that you just stir them up, even as they're going to lunch, going to work, whatever they're up to. To just think of some of these things. If it's all about vocabulary and the end time words are really negative about people, then we want to be careful to have nothing to do with those kind of people. We want to avoid those kind of people. They're self-centered, self-loving, full of anger and bitterness, all those different things that Timothy saw. And then, Lord, if we're so close that when even your judgment comes... This world and the godless people in it are not even smart enough to say, forgive us of our sins. Romans said there are vessels fit for destruction. Please don't let one woman or one man here be fit for destruction. Please bring softness and gentleness to all of our hearts that we will actually humble ourselves and say, forgive us, Father, of our sins. Cleanse us of our unrighteousness. And then, Lord, they cried out, who can stand? And in Psalm 1, you said, the ungodly shall not stand with the righteous. So now we know in their brilliant minds, they don't think anybody can stand with you. But in Psalm 1, you say, yes, 
the person who meditates day and night in God's word, he's the one that will be able to stand. May you forgive each of us this very moment. Please don't let us play as if we're Christians. Let your power of your Holy Spirit baptize us right now, Lord. Let your love pour over us like a liquid waterfall. Let your word find place in our hearts and our souls. Let us be used to help those that are lost, those that are poor, those that are hurting. Lord, use each of us with your love to bring hope to a hopeless world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you.
Nothing can stand against the power of our God In almighty fortress You go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God You shine in the shadows You win every battle Nothing can stand against the power of our God In almighty fortress You go before us Nothing can stand against the power Shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I will fight on my knees. With my hands lifted high, oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God The battle belongs to you Oh God The battle belongs to you Amen Well God bless you church We'll see you